0: Tale of the Quasi Catfish, Part 1 A Love Life Observed. This story begins earlier this year, around mid April, in a not so touristy town in the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico. I'd gone to Mexico to escape the endless lockdowns and mandates in Toronto, and as an excuse to have a cheaper and sunnier place to write my book. I figured it was in the realm of possibility that I'd never live in Toronto again. In that spirit, I sold and gave away almost all my possessions. I have hoped that while in Mexico, I'd successfully start my digital nomad life, meet like-minded people, and go from there. The political situation in Canada is depressing. There are many groups of expats and others moving to create communities elsewhere in preparation for the tumultuous years ahead. I'm torn on how to feel about what's ideal. Does one stay and fight for the political future they want in their home country? Or does one go where they're treated best, as people like Andrew Henderson from Nomad Capitalist advocate? They both have pros and cons. My paralyzing indecisiveness struggles to make a choice. Very atypical for a female, I know. At the end of the day, it's a global and not regional battle against overreaching transhumanism and tyranny. Still, living amongst others who share your values and mindset is a choice that can be made. One can be around others also choosing love over fear, choosing the risk of life over the safety of a cage. It's funny, I was both choosing the risk of life, I took many risks, and the safety of a cage. Told myself I had to do the known hell of sex work for the last decade. Now, I slowly choose the risk of life and trust that, even with its ups and downs, it is unequivocally the best option. Merriam-Webster says risk is the possibility of loss or injury, and courage implies firmness of mind and will in the face of danger or extreme difficulty. Adventures and the things that make a person feel alive don't exist without risk. Those experiences live outside of cages. Takes courage to live a full life. It's scary, I know. Thing is, it's scary either way. May as well endure the fear that comes from the risk of adventure. There's at least the possibility of a benefit. I can't think of a more worthwhile benefit than a life lived. Courage is the means through which a person takes a risk. Courage seems to be lacking for many, myself included. As I've told you, I only recently departed from coward mode. I think this can be rectified. I have hope for everyone. I think we all just need a reminder of why courage is so vital to a healthy society. Whoever you are, reader, you're capable of being courageous, of surprising yourself with your courage. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I'll be the brat that says it. Why don't you try harder? Make a fool of yourself. Stand up for what you think is right. Look like an idiot. At least you'll be the idiot outside of the cage. Be the idiot that inspires those still stuck in the cage, confused about the right way to act, to get envious of your freedom to start trying to escape themselves. That's what I hope to do here in some way. After all, that's what I tell myself every day. That's all anyone who preaches any message is doing. Telling themselves, and you, what they need to hear every day. See someone endlessly promoting body positivity? It's because they need the daily reminder. They tell you what they tell themselves. I needed to remind myself to be courageous because it's much easier not to be. But it made me physically ill not to be principled. It seemed to come at a high cost, one of being labeled everything bad under the sun, of people wanting nothing to do with the hateful racist blah blah blah. But that's not actually a high cost. The high cost is betraying my principles and bending to the will of other people's poor judgment and manic states of fear. I'm lucky to be gifted with curiosity and insight forever staying in touch with the right thing to do morally. I say in touch, not following. (laughs) I let friends shame me for declining to other segments of society. I didn't stand up for myself or the segments. I just stopped talking. A mistake I won't make again. The high cost was betraying myself, not losing acquaintances or income. Those things are replaceable. I can't tell you what being courageous looks like for you. You know best what standing up for what you think is right looks like. It may look like you're the asshole in the moment to those around you, but in objective reality, you're a principal person who understands freedom is the most precious thing some parts of the world inherited and have no right to keep without a fight. There is no future opportunity, it's now. You have to say something when you see something now, yesterday even. If you find yourself advocating to take rights away from others, stop and consult the deepest part of your conscience and see if it agrees, and ignore everyone else outside that inner voice. You decide on your own. You got this, reader. Henderson's go-where-you're-treated-best suggestions are meant for people who have their lives together, (laughs) not irrational vagabonds like me in a transition period of life that gave away a large amount of their earnings. Still, I used his motto as a guide, an inspiration, a goal to possess. In the meantime, I figured I'd go explore the country while my visitor's visa and funds lasted. Can you tell I just said that sentence like 12 times before I got it right? Ugh. Uh, in Mexico, as I untangled the endless notes and stories in my records, there was a constant draw to the theme of the way I look at personal relationships. It's like flash. Look over here. Beep, beep, beep. I look up. Notice it. Squint. Make a stink face in disagreement. And ignore it. No. The book isn't about my love life. Stop it. Who was I fighting with? My conscience or soul, I suppose. The part that has all the answers that I keep giving the middle finger because I'm a stubborn masochist. My truest, wise inner self knows the right answers, but my thoughts go through this filter before reaching my consciousness. That filter can be described as nothing but retarded. By the time it gets to the action part of my brain, it makes little sense and is extremely contradictory. I don't know the actual psychology jargon. I like that for me. The book I've been writing is a fictionalized memoir of sorts. The point is to show the internal debates and monologues that I involuntarily went on for what seemed like forever, as a highly sensitive person working as a prostitute. Fictionalized aggregations of stories within a story with my takeaway thoughts to show how people act in the shadows in the sex industry. Ever notice you weren't paying attention to something until someone points it out? For example, you're someone that always says, That's funny, instead of laughing, and someone asks you why you never just laugh instead? You think about it for a minute, then realize they're right. You never were laughing, you were just saying, That's funny. You hadn't noticed you were doing that until someone pointed it out. Fascinates me how blind we can be to our own behavior, or the ways we lie to ourselves that are often clear as day to outside parties. I hadn't noticed just how much I stopped living life or planning a future. I knew I had, but I genuinely tried to make the best of it. The faulty premise of my logic was often hidden from me. I wasn't walking around every day thinking, woe is me. I did my best to hide that from myself. Fundamentally, I was waiting to die and not making plans, but in the day-to-day, my natural optimism was present. I'd enjoy pockets of bliss doing this or that. It was only as the day progressed and I had to look at what was going on in my life that panic ensued. I was confused at how I ended up in this fake life instead of my real one. Stuck, unsure what to do about it. Told myself it was best not to think about it. Then, I'd insert one of my many unhealthy coping mechanisms and dissociate. But so long as I was distracted by things like other people's problems, exercise, chores, whatever tasks, I felt like my normal self. Where am I going with this, reader? You thought I was telling you the story of my quasi-catfish experience. When will I get there? I know, right? Ramblepalooza. This context is needed, though, I promise. The reason why I acted so irrationally in the story I'm about to tell needs to be explained. So here it is. A realization of how I was lying to myself. Several intense events took place within a few weeks as I lived solo in the UK that made my brain decide to give up and tell itself a version of the following on repeat for the foreseeable future. Okay, that's it. We're not living our life anymore. We tried, many times, and failed. We clearly can't hack what we want in life. We're tired. Just do whatever ensures survival and don't ask for help. Asking for help and we time people how we feel, and we don't want to talk about it. No one ever has a real conversation with us anyway. The life we planned is over because we can't, literally for the life of us, think of a reason why it matters. That new belief was the foundation for near everything the next decade. The first poke disrupting this haze I created so many years ago was not getting to have a personal relationship with a man I loved three years ago. He couldn't handle the escorting, and I hated it, but didn't know how to fix the mess I made. I advocated for my right to be a self-sufficient prostitute, He told me I was free to do as I pleased, but it wasn't the kind of relationship he wanted. He didn't want a relationship where he shared or where the woman he was with was a prostitute. Well, I didn't want to be in that kind of relationship either. How dare he tell me I did? But wait, I was the one advocating for it. Who was I advocating for? It wasn't real me. survival me was trying to have a real personal relationship, and the lies weren't adding up. Wait, which part were the lies? The second poke was in Mexico around March, when I sent a certain chapter to my beta reader. The chapter was about how I entered the industry, and as a last-minute edit, I included a blurb about the first man I loved. Gone to visit him shortly before starting to escort, and in all my childish naivete, I thought we would rekindle things after three years. After all, we'd only stopped dating because I had to leave the country. My visa expired. He changed a lot as a person. A person I knew years before didn't exist anymore. I mean, at all. I was still a bit too immature to fully understand that at the time. I started escorting shortly after. I saw no qualms with how paid intimacy would work in relation to a personal relationship because I'd never have one again. We get one person we love and that's it. And I would never find anyone again. (laughs) So I saw no future issues in that respect. Pretty dumb take, looking back. That wasn't the reason I started escorting, but that likely factored into the what-does-it-matter decision-making process and continuing it for so long in some small way. I wrote an Article 4 about why I entered the industry, and it wasn't because it looked like fun. My beta reader read the chapter, and in her notes, flagged the dense paragraph as odd. She said I should expand on it because the big shift in how I viewed my love life seemed crucial to the story. Reading her note, I felt irritated. It was a last-minute edit. It wasn't even in there for most of my editing. I felt annoyed because the book is about my observations, working as a prostitute, and my inner monologue about the million thoughts that followed. The book isn't about my personal love life. If anything, it's about the antithesis to it. It's devoid of real love. Why was she being so nosy? (laughs) I say what matters and what I put in or leave out. (laughs) My response to her thoughtful note was the epitome of an overreaction, which made me realize I was annoyed because she was right. My constant desire to draw attention away from noticing myself is a deterrent to the beauty of my writing. In fact, noticing how I've hidden my true desires is central to the point of sharing my experiences. It's central to uncovering meaning. We love meaning, reader. Good note on her part. I haven't said this to her. I know she's likely reading this article. Hi, friend. I've appreciated your notes and time immensely. Your love of my writing gave me a confidence boost I was lacking. Maybe I wouldn't have believed in myself for months to come still. Maybe I would have been on a different trajectory had you not gotten involved and been so kind. Much love. I noticed I hadn't intentionally tried to have a real relationship in a decade, maybe ever. How sad. <laughs> well, I'd come to Mexico expecting to meet other like minded people. Oops, I came to a place where there aren't tons of expats. Hmm. Download a dating app. Yes. Didn't have any other good ideas. This was the first time in quite some time that I downloaded a dating app. I know you know I used it since, Reiner. Maybe I'd meet a man trying to live out his digital nomad life, and we'd bond over this cool experience and live happily ever after. My brain loves happily ever after, by the way. Obsessed. Pretty ironic for someone that's intentionally denied themselves any real relationships for nearly a decade. I matched with someone on Bumble visiting my Mexican city. Most profiles were in Spanish, so when I came across the profile in English, it was an instant yes. Howard spoke English because he was English. Made sense. We made plans to meet the next day, but I got busy and was too tired. Sadly, he had to leave the following day. Initially, he said he was traveling around Mexico for several months, working remotely, and would be back soon, which never happened. I didn't think anything of it and shrugged it off. For some reason, our conversations kept going. We kept sharing fun bits of information, links to things, desires for the future, and more. We found we had many shared interests and values. I couldn't have imagined we'd keep talking for six months.